0: We'll go ahead and dismiss the children at this time to Children's Church. I hope as you watched that video, uh, your mind was, was maybe reminded of Old Testament stories, maybe reminded of, of different, different stories from the Old Testament that, that all of a sudden were made new. This morning, as, as we begin our message, we're going to be talking about Jesus as the new Moses. And so we're going to get into that uh, in just a few moments. But as the, as the band was playing, there's a quote uh, that came to my mind uh, as we were singing uh, One Thing Remains, as we were singing God's love never fails, it never gives up on us. Uh, and, you know, they, they say that if you forget where you found the quote that you can claim it as your own. So, this quote says this, it says, The love of God made a way for the grace of God through the Son of God to satisfy the justice of God by enduring the wrath of God that we may experience the glory of God. I'm going to say that again because that's a lot. It says, The love of God made a way for the grace of God through the Son of God to satisfy the justice of God by enduring the wrath of God, that we might experience the glory of God. And you know, whenever I began preaching, I was twenty-three years old, uh, and now I'm thirty-seven years old. And the more, the more I've learned about the God of grace the more I understand about the love of God the more I understand that he is a God who is rich in loving kindness and abounding in grace and mercy and through the person of Jesus he demonstrates that grace and that love to us and it is true his love never gives up on us it never fails no matter what we've done no matter what we will do his love never gives up on us if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 14, the book of Matthew, chapter 14. As you're turning to the book of Matthew, chapter 14, uh, we understand that the book of Matthew was written by Matthew. Okay, I understand you were turning, you were flipping, some of you were, were not paying attention to what the preacher was saying. The book of Matthew was written by Matthew, and the book of Matthew was written to the, to the Jews. And the book of Matthew was written to present Jesus as the son of David. Very good. We have, we, we, the, there's, there's a reason, and I know uh, Pastor Steve gives me a hard time about this, uh, but there's a reason that, that we constantly reiterate this, and that's because the Bible, in any given text, in any given passage, can only mean one thing. The author, the, the author wrote to a specific audience to convey a specific meaning. The Bible has one and only one meaning. And as we interpret the Bible, we must understand that the Bible can never mean what it never meant. And so we must understand what the Scripture means to its author, to its audience, in order for us to extract Accurate interpretation. That does not mean that the Bible has only one application. The Bible has many applications. Any specific passage or specific text may have many different applications, but it only has one meaning. And so we must understand what Matthew meant when he was writing to the Jewish people to present Jesus as the son of David. And this particular passage that we're going to be reading this morning has a very specific theme that I want us to extract. So Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 21. Now when Jesus heard it, he withdrew from there in a boat to a lonely place by himself. And when the multitudes heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when he went ashore, he saw a great multitude and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, this place is desolate and the time has already passed. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the village and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Ordering the multitudes to recline on the grass, he took the five loaves, two fish, and looking upward towards heaven, he blessed the food. Breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples, and they gave to the multitudes, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 full baskets. And there were about 5,000 men who ate aside from the women and children. Let's pray. God, as we examine your word, Lord, may we hear what you have to say this morning. May we hear your, your truth. May we hear from your Holy Spirit this morning. Lord, may you speak to our hearts. May you convict us of our sin. Lord, Lord, may you find us repentant, desiring to be obedient. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning I pray that we will see Jesus as the new Moses. And and you're going to read this passage and you're going to say, Okay, preacher. I've read this a dozen times. It doesn't say anything about Moses in there. Where are you going with this? Well, I want us to understand what this passage would have to do with Moses. What would Matthew's audience have heard when they're reading this passage or when they're hearing this passage? Because remember, the gospel message, the, the gospels, there are four different gospels. Matthew writes a gospel. Mark writes a gospel. Uh, Luke writes a gospel. And John writes a gospel. And all of them are chronicling the life of Jesus, but they're all presenting a different theme. They're all presenting Jesus in a different light. There's a reason why some Gospels omit certain parables or certain stories, certain miracles. There's a reason why the Gospel of Luke presents Jesus' birth, and he's visited by shepherds, and he's being born and laid in a manger. And there's a reason why Matthew's Gospel has Jesus visited not by shepherds, but by magi, by men of Uh, men of great wealth and great influence and great power, and that they bestow upon him gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. There's a reason these authors present certain stories in the life of Jesus. And so if we understand that, we must understand that the audience to to which Matthew was writing was a Jewish audience, a heavily Jewish audience. And so what would they have heard? Well, we would see... In Matthew chapter 14, that when Jesus goes away, he goes away where? To a desolate place. That would have, for the Israelites, they would have understood the desolate place to be to be synonymous with the wilderness. Desert, desolate, wilderness. They would have, those, those themes, those, those parallels would have clicked in the Israelites and the Jews' mind. They would have said, ah, desert place, desolate place wilderness the wilderness brings to mind the israelites wilderness wanderings when god by his grace and by his mercy provided for the israelites in the midst of the wilderness and he provided for the israelites in the midst of the wilderness in many different ways he provided a cloud by day to, to protect them he provided fire by night to keep them warm he provided for them water out of a rock but in this case very specifically he provided for them what bread Every morning, whenever they wake up, what would they get? Bread. As we read this passage, as we read this passage, look at verse. Look at verse fifteen. And when it came to the evening, the disciples came to him and said, "The place is desolate, and the time has already passed. So send the multitudes away, that they may go into the village and buy food for themselves." The time has already passed. What does that mean? That meant the people were hungry. And if you've ever spent any time with my wife, I love my wife with everything that I am, but if you do not feed her, she becomes very angry. If you do not feed her, we we've, we've we've seen the commercials, the Snickers commercials, whenever whenever, you know, the Joe Pesci is there and he's griping and complaining and yelling at everybody, my wife turns into Joe Pesci whenever she gets hungry. And and she becomes mean and she and so so I make it a point to feed my wife regularly. And, and, and here we have the people were hungry. And I imagine that, that that there was a murmuring amongst the crowd. Why? Because the disciples recognized. The disciples themselves were probably hungry. They had, they had traveled. Now, now we need to, to keep in mind, Jesus... Had gotten a boat and left to try and get away from these people. And so they had probably walked all the way around the Sea of Galilee, all the way around the edge uh, of the perimeter of this lake. They had probably been walking a great deal, a, a, a great distance. And so not only was it, was it late, but they had been walking. It was probably uh, the fact that there was grass tells us that it was probably springtime. So it probably wasn't 50, 60 degrees. It was probably warm there in the Middle East. And so they're hot, they're tired, they're hungry. They're not happy. Jesus says to his disciples, you feed them something. They look around and they say, we don't have anything. So, what would Matthew's audience have heard? They would have heard wilderness. The multitude. They would have heard Israel. The multitude. A bunch of people in the wilderness. There was a bunch of people. There was a bunch of, of Israelites. Bread. Jesus said, "We they they... They said that we have no bread to give them. Bread would have been eat, would have been synonymous with the manna. In this passage, as Jesus provided the food, the Israelite reader would have seen the connection between Jesus providing the bread and God providing the manna. There was a connection for the Israelite people, for the Jewish people in this passage as Jesus is a demonstration of Moses. Now, for us, that doesn't mean a whole lot. But I want us to understand what the Jews would have understood about Moses. Moses, for the Israelite people, was the greatest leader that the Israelites had ever known. Greater than Abraham, greater than Isaac, greater than Jacob. Moses, for the Israelite people, was the greatest leader the Israelites had ever known. Where are you getting this, preacher? Well, let's go back and let's look. The Scripture tells us that Moses spoke to God as a man speaks to his friend face to face. There is only one man in the history of Scripture that had an encounter with God in such a way that when he came down out of the mountain, that his face shone with the Shekinah glory of God in such a way that the people of Israel could not even look upon the face of, God, the, uh, the face of this man. And that one man was Moses. There is only one man in the history of Israel who was the recipient of of the law of God. Moses climbed up to the top of the mountain, and God himself gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And then Moses descended down on descended down from the mountain and gave the law to the people of God. Now remember, in this place in Israel's history, there are three pillars of, of there are three pillars of the Jewish faith. There's the land, there's the temple, and there's the law. They no longer have the land. They're in exile. The Romans have the land. They are strangers in a strange place. The temple has been destroyed in 586 by the Babylonians. So the only thing that is left is the law. And who is the giver of the law? Moses. Moses. There's a passage in Exodus where God had made up his mind to destroy the Israelite people. He said they are an obstinate, headstrong, rebellious people. I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to smite them off the face of the earth. And there is one man that intercedes for Israel and saves their lives. That one man, Moses. Moses delivers Israel out of bondage from Egypt. Moses brings Israel through the wilderness wanderings for 40 years and ushers them to the very precipice of the promised land. And then Moses' disciple Joshua ushers them into the promised land. For Israel, remember this too, in the wilderness the entire generation dies. The new generation that comes up knows only one leader, only one, Moses. For Israel, Moses was the greatest leader that the Jewish people had ever known. Moses gives them the, the essence of the law. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You ask any Jew, what, are the, what is the, the, the very backbone of their faith? And they're going to tell you the Pentateuch. The first five books of the Bible. Moses was the greatest leader the Jews had ever known. Now, my son loves baseball. Daniel would watch baseball, talk baseball, play baseball every day of his life if it were humanly possible. And if you've ever spent any time with him, you know that he loves baseball but even more so he loves LSU baseball and he found out a few years ago that that whenever dad was younger that dad collected baseball cards and this was like a kid in a candy store in my mom's closet he he found that there were there were literally thousands upon thousands of of baseball cards, just in in boxes and in binders, and 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 he began. He it was it was it was like it, it was like I, I, I dropped uh, I, I dropped him in the middle of of his treasure, and so he's he's standing. He's pouring through these baseball through these baseball cards, and as he's doing so, he's finding baseball cards of Ben McDonald and baseball cards of of Albert Bell and baseball cards of of all of these former LSU baseball players. All these these greats that, that, that played at LSU, Paul Byrd and and these people that, that these these players that won World Series here at LSU and then gone had gone on to, to play in the majors, Aaron Hill and, and and how they had these great professional careers. And he's throwing aside the Barry Bondes, the Martin McGuire's, the Nolan Ryans, all these all these great players. And I'm thinking to myself, what is what is, what is wrong with you? Because for him, the greatest players that have ever played the game of baseball played at LSU. And if they played anywhere else, then they weren't any good because they didn't play at LSU. And so they must not be any good. Well, I want us to understand in in a very small way, that's how the Jewish people viewed Moses. Yes, there were other great leaders. Yes, there was Abraham. Yes, there was Isaac. Yes, there was Jacob. Yes, there was Elijah. Yes, there was Ezekiel. Yes, there were Isaiah and Jeremiah and great prophets and great leaders. But none of them were like Moses. For the Israelite people, Moses was in a class all by himself. So, when Matthew is presenting Jesus as a mosaic figure. This is mind-blowing for the Israelite people. Also want us to understand that there were some messianic prophecy that had to do with someone coming in a similar fashion like Moses and feeding, sustaining the Israelite people. Go with me if you will to Psalm 132. This passage is a messianic passage In the book of Psalms where the psalmist tells us in Psalm 132 verse 15 that there will come a Messiah, there will come someone who will fulfill the role of the son of David, who will sit on the throne and he will sustain his people. Look at verse 15. And I will abundantly bless her provision, her being Israel, and I will satisfy her needy with bread this is a messianic prophecy where the messiah will do what moses did in the wilderness for the people of israel and so as we get back to this passage i want us to avoid looking at this passage for for the very literal for the very literal demonstration of 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 what it is we've heard Pastors, we've heard teachers, we've heard preachers speak about this passage and speak about how this is a demonstration of how Jesus meets our needs, and Jesus does meet our needs. I don't want to to discount that, and we 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 want to see this passage. And you've heard preachers preach about this passage, how Jesus takes a young man's lunch and feeds five thousand plus people, and and how God wants us to be like that young man and 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 give. And give what we have to God. And I don't want to discount that. But I want to point out that in Matthew's gospel. There is no young man. The feeding of the 5,000. In Luke's gospel. Highlights the young boy. And says in Luke's gospel. This young man brought five loaves of bread. And two fish. So Matthew omits the little boy. Who brings the lunch. Why? Because in Matthew's gospel. It's not about Jesus meeting need. It's not about. This young boy who brings his food, who brings his lunch to Jesus. But the feeding of the 5,000 is not about Jesus meeting needs. Not in Matthew's Gospel at least. This miracle is about Jesus' identity. Who is Jesus? And I take that from two passages on either side of this passage. Matthew chapter 14, verse 2. Matthew chapter 14, verse 2. This passage is sandwiched between two other passages discussing Jesus' identity. Matthew chapter 14, verse 2. Herod has this question about Jesus this time Herod the tetrarch heard the news about Jesus and he said to his servants verse 2 this is John the Baptist he is risen from the dead and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him so Herod says that, that Jesus is the reincarnation the resurrection of John the Baptist and if you go to John chapter I'm sorry Matthew chapter 14 verse 33 on the other side of this passage Jesus is going to walk on water He's going to meet his disciples out in the middle of the boat. And his disciples are going to have this to say about Jesus' identity. Matthew chapter 14, verse 33. And when they got in the boat, the wind stopped. Verse 33. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly the Son of God. And we'll see in just a couple of, verses, a couple of chapters later, Matthew chapter 16, Matthew tells us the confession of Peter that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so this whole section of Matthew really deals with the identity of who Jesus is. And so I believe that this passage in Matthew chapter 14 answers the question for the Jewish people, who is Jesus? also want us to point out not only who is Jesus, but who is Jesus For the Jewish people. There are going to be two feedings in the book of Matthew. Feeding of the 5,000 and feeding of the 4,000. This is not the same miracle done twice. This is two separate miracles. In the first miracle, Jesus feeds 5,000 men, women and children. We don't know how many were there. And at the end, he picks up how many baskets? Twelve. The Jewish people would have heard that number 12. And what would they immediately have associated that number with? The 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 disciples, the God, Jesus took 12 disciples. Why did Jesus take 12 disciples? Because whenever, whenever God allocated the land, he allocated it to the 12 sons of Jacob, to the 12 tribes of Israel. That number 12 would have been synonymous and there was, a, there was definitely an illusion and a connection for the Jewish people. When Jesus feeds the 4,000, he picks up not 12 baskets full, but of the excess Jesus picks up, the disciples pick up, seven baskets seven being the number for perfection or the number for for completion seven thousand the feeding of the four thousand is going to be synonymous not for the israelite people but for the gentiles for all of the world and so here this 12 baskets that are picked up is clearly an allusion to the 12 tribes and it's not lost upon the audience it's not lost upon those readers of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus is redefining Israel. He is redefining Israel. Who is there that is amongst the multitudes? It is those people who have followed Him. Those people who have left all and gone out into the wilderness to follow Jesus. Jesus is redefining Israel. Romans chapter 2. Paul picks up on this theme. Go with me, if you will, to the book of Romans, chapter 2. Paul picks up on this theme of redefining Israel. And as he's talking, as he's presenting the gospel to the church in Rome, look at what he says in Romans, chapter 2, verse 29, as he himself redefines Israel. Verse 29, it says, But he is a Jew who is not one who is in, who, one who is inwardly circumcised, not that which is of the heart, By the spirit, not by the letter. And his praise is not from men, but from God. So Paul talks about circumcision not being of the flesh, but being of the heart. And he himself, Paul, is redefining Israel. Not of ethnicity and bloodlines, but of faith. We are justified not because of who we are, but because of whose we are. So, Jesus takes this time to redefine Israel. He takes this time for his audience here in Matthew chapter 14 to present himself as a new and better Moses. So, Jesus takes this time, performs this miracle. I want us to see the comparison for Jesus and Moses. In the Israelite world, Moses was the only figure who served as prophet, as priest, and as king. For the Israelites, they had always distinguished these roles. There were prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, and even under the monarchy, Nathan, Samuel, these prophets that spoke on behalf of God, they had priests that would stand and intercede for the people. In fact, for the Israelite people, God set up an entire lineage, an entire tribe, the Levites, and they were to serve as priests and the descendants of Aaron would be the priests and would be the high priest, and they would, would intercede for for the people. So you had the prophets who would speak on behalf of God and you had the priests who would intercede for the people and would bring the sacrifice of God every year during that day of atonement. They would intercede for the people and then you had the kings. You had the David. You had the Sauls, You had the Solomons, You had these kings whom God would set up and say you will rule over my people. Even before that you had the time of judges where you would have you would have Othniel, and, and you would have uh, A- uh, you would have uh, Jephthah and you would have samson and you would have uh uh, deborah and you would have these rulers for the people of israel and god would set up for the people of israel an office of prophet an office of priest and an office of king but there was one man in the old testament who for all intents and purposes filled all three roles that was moses when he led the people out of bondage he went up onto the mountain. He heard from God. He came down from the mountain and he spoke, thus saith the Lord. He was prophet. As God makes a decision to smite and destroy all of Israel, Moses intercedes for his people. He goes to God on behalf of his people. Moses is their priest. Moses is their ruler as they are in the wilderness they bring all of their concerns all of their questions all of their their legal disputes to moses and we see in the book of exodus that moses sets up sets up governorships and sets up courts and sets up civil law for the people why because he is their king he is their ruler while he has not the title of monarchy he certainly serves that role moses is prophet Moses is priest. Moses is king. But I want us to understand Jesus in the gospel will replace Moses. He will be a new and better Moses because Jesus is not just a teacher. Jesus says, Not thus saith the Lord. Jesus said, I say unto you, You have heard it said, Do not commit adultery. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed murder in her heart. You have heard it said, do not commit murder. But I say unto you, Jesus identifies himself as the author of authority. Jesus is not just a great teacher, he is the prophet. Speaking on behalf of God. John chapter 1 verse 14. And the Word became flesh and we beheld His glory. Glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Jesus is the the radiance of the Father's glory. He comes with the very authority and the the very rule of the Father. He speaks on behalf of God because He is God. Jesus is the intercessor. 1 Timothy tells us that there is one God and one mediator between God and man and that is the person, Jesus Christ. As Jesus hung on the cross, He became our sacrificial lamb. He was the intercessor. He was the one who would go before God on our behalf. The scripture tells us that there is an accuser of the brethren the enemy and He stands before God constantly accusing us of sin and the scripture tells us that we have an advocate with the Father. And that advocate intercedes on our behalf who is that jesus jesus is prophet jesus is priest but most of all jesus is king jesus is king philippians chapter 2 tells us go with me there philippians chapter 2 verse 8 paul encourages the church at philippi to have the mind of christ and then he elaborates on what is that mind of christ have this mind in you which is also in christ jesus look at verse eight and being found in the appearance as a man he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death upon the cross therefore god has exalted him and has given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, both in heaven and earth and under the earth, and at the name of Jesus every tongue should confess. And what are they going to f- confess? That Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is a new and better Moses. Moses interceded for the people. Jesus did it better. Moses spoke on behalf of God. Jesus was God. Moses acted as a ruler, as a king for the people. Jesus is the king of all kings. And so when Jesus performs this miracle of the feeding of the thousands, the Israelites, the Jewish audience would have seen Moses. They would have seen that that picture of God feeding the multitudes in the wilderness. And they would have equated the one who is doing this as synonymous with Moses, and then Jesus is going to do it better. Because what happened at the end of the day when they had leftover food? They couldn't keep it. But here, they kept it. Jesus not only gave them what they needed, but He gave them above and beyond far more than they could ever have and than they could ever want. Church, this morning, Jesus wants to be more than you can ever want, more than you can ever need, more than you can ever desire. The reality is, is that Jesus is the bread of life. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 6. I want you to see Jesus' claims. This is the fundamental difference between Christianity and every other religion. Every other faith is who is Jesus. Many faiths, many belief systems live moral ethical lives the difference is who is jesus c.s lewis said this he said jesus is either liar he's a lunatic or he's lord if he's a liar he can't be a good teacher if he's crazy he can't be a man of god so he must be lord Jesus made statements, and he made seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. He said, I am the living water. He said, I am the door. He said, I am the good shepherd. Seven I am statements. The reason he makes these I am statements is because in Exodus chapter 3, God gives himself a name. And the very first time, and the only time that God gives himself a name, he gives himself this name. I am. Moses said, who shall I say sent me? God said, tell them I am sent you. I am that I am. And in the Gospel of John, there are seven I am statements. Jesus said, I am living water. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus made this statement. He said, I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me shall not hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. In John chapter 8, Verse 58, Jesus said this, Truly I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And when Jesus made that statement, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders that were there picked up stones and tried to kill him because they understood exactly what Jesus was saying. When Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, Jesus was saying, I am God. And church, we can't take a cursory glance at the New Testament and not see the deity of Jesus because He is God. And here's the message of the gospel. God. God Himself, the God, the Creator of the universe came down to this earth, became a man, took upon Himself your sin and my sin. Died the death that you and I deserve. That we might receive eternal life. The love of God made a way for the grace of God through the Son of God to endure, to satisfy the justice of God by enduring the wrath of God that we might enjoy the glory of God. You and I don't deserve grace. We don't deserve eternity. But God loves us so much that He sent His own Son to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus is God. And this story in Matthew, it's not about a little boy bringing his lunch. It's not about Jesus meeting the needs of hungry people. It is a portrayal for the Jewish people of who is Jesus. And this morning, that same identity is true. Jesus is Lord. Will you trust Him with your life? Let's pray. Father, there are those here this morning. There are those here this morning who have heard the message of the Gospel. They believe all of the facts about Jesus. They know that He was born in a stable on Bethlehem. They know the stories. They know of the miracles. They know of Him feeding the thousands, of Him walking on water, been healing the sick. They know of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. But they've never submitted their life to Jesus as Lord. They've never allowed Christ to come into their life and be the king of their life. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come. Tell Jesus, I've tried to do it on my own. And the end thereof is failure. Don't you try letting Jesus be king. Because he is king, he is Lord. There are some of you here this morning who've trusted Jesus as the Lord of their life, accepted him as their Savior. somehow we've allowed the worry of this world to take our eyes off of our king and here this morning the message of the gospel is to remind us that Jesus is king that he is Lord so long as he sits upon his throne we have nothing to fear as we go into this time of invitation maybe you need to come to this altar and pray Maybe you need to drag someone with you. May this time be a time where where you do business with God. Don't leave this place without knowing Christ as Lord. God, we pray your Holy Spirit would have its way in this place this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.